Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. going to dive straight in today and uh, just tell you about something that's kind of going on in my heart and some, how I feel the church is going. You know, um, as pastors, there's just so much that we feel about you as individuals and us collectively as a family, as a community. And I want you to know where we're going as we ha- have, we've heard for many, many weeks, the vision of 2018. But what is your part to play in it? It's so big the vision that we have for 2018. There is so much to be done, but you are so part of every part of it. I want you to know it and I want you to feel it and I want you to be activated in it because that's what God is calling us significantly as the Junction Church to do. There are many churches across the city with different visions, different tasks, different purposes, and God is enabling and empowering them. And when you put them all together, you can see how his master plan is just absolutely genius. Because we're not going to do what the road is, uh, church is doing. The road is doing down the church, or the church is doing down the road. We're not going to be doing the same. We are still going to be loving and speaking the gospel and everything. But God is calling all these different pockets to come and arise yeah. and wells to be opened up. Yeah. So we are working as the body of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now we were round um, all the Hamiltons place, whatever their name is, Laura and James, <laughs> congregational <laughs> pastors, and we were round and we have meetings often to just kind of discuss about the church and and really our heart and and everything, all sorts of things. And so we really decide to pray, which is quite good as pastors. I'm I'm glad you know that we pray together. We do. (laughs) So anyway, we had prayed together at the end of uh, that evening together and the presence of God was so strong in the place. God gave me a picture. And really, I'm basing pretty much most of this message off of the picture that I had. So I hope you're not going to stone me. There is scripture in there, so it's fine. (laughs) Um, So uh, I had this picture and I saw a beehive and I saw this this multitude of bees just at work in this beehive and I saw bees just flying in from afar off coming into the hive and working and I really I looked at it and I thought oh first of all I thought oh wow it's it's people being attracted to the honey and I'm thinking, well, yeah, bees love honey. They make honey. They eat honey. They live honey. They are honey. They're just everything about honey, right? But then I realized that it, they weren't be a, being attracted to the honey. They are, were being attracted to be part of the work to produce the honey. And this is what I believe God is doing with us as a church, that God is causing people to come from so many different locations and places to come, and dare I say that swear word in church, to work. She said it. You mean we don't sit on our our bottoms? (laughs) (laughs) Good correction. (laughs) You have no idea. (laughs) 
No, I really believe that what God is doing is actually turning our hearts. He's turning the tide because I think we've been sitting on our bottoms for too long. I think we've been looking at our belly buttons for too long. It's time to look outward and God is actually doing incredible things. He's changing people's lives to be able to work here with the vision and in the Junction Church. He's changing plans. He's changing careers. And people are just hearing the voice of God and going, do you know what? I want to be part of that vision. I want to work together, work individually, but work collectively of what God has in store for us. So that when I saw those bees, it wasn't a case of, oh, we're all attracted to the presence of God. No, we're actually attracted to work for the kingdom. And I'm really excited because this is a rise of champions. What you saw this morning was a rise of champions that love the church more than they love themselves. They love the church more than staying in bed, that they will get here at half past eight, or meant to get here at half past eight. Uh, I'm not looking at anyone because this morning was, was really tough, right? So, But they made it the rise of champions that will say to, do you know what? The kingdom of God means more to me than just having a lie-in on a Sunday morning. That's what God is rising up. He's rising up a people with such tenacity, with such conviction and empowering them in the process that they don't want to live for themselves anymore. They want to live for the collective that produces the honey. All right? And so this is what I believe God is. I'm going to give you some interesting facts about bees. Andy loves bees, don't you? Here's some facts for you, Andy. So, you'll probably know them already because he's probably studied it and all that geeky stuff he does. So, um, honey is the only food that includes all the substances necessary to sustain life. Vitamins, minerals, everything. That's how John the Baptist survives, by the way. (laughs) Everything, everything is in honey, right? Each bee will pollinate between 50 to 100 flowers a day. That's busy, right? Uh, The average worker bee produces only about one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. Now, in kind of the mid-summer, a bee's life is actually only about six weeks, so that's a lot of work. Uh, to produce one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. Um, A hive of bees will fly, now listen to this, 90,000 miles, the equivalent of three orbits around the earth to collect one kilogram of honey. Work, 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 work. (laughs) And the hive can produce up to 11 kilograms. That's a lot of work, isn't it? And God gave me a picture of you lot being bees. <laughs> but this is a very interesting uh, fact about bees, right? Larger than the work bees is the male honeybee. No stinger, and they do not work at all. <laughs> Forget this bit. All they do is mate. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm thankful we have a church of men that work. <laughs> However, James has four children. <laughs> Kevin, I heard that. <laughs> Something about a stinger. Anyway, right. 
I've completely lost it now. But yes, yes, we are worker bees. We are not, we're not all men. It's just, right, for those on the podcast, the pastors on the front row are playing up. Okay. That's why I can't carry on. But do you know what it means? It means that everyone has something to give. Unless you're a male. <laughs> it's something else. But, but, I, but when God showed me, I'm now going to get out of this hole somehow. Worker bees. Let's just think worker bees, all right? Help me, Jim. Worker bees, yes? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I believe that everybody has something to bring. Just as each bee would come and they would give all of their life to produce one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. And so it is. It might be that what we bring to the house of God, what we bring to the kingdom, what we work as, might only be one twelfth of a spoonful of honey in the light of eternity, but it makes up the kilogram. So I'm wanting you you to know that God is equipping you and empowering and causing you to rise as a champion to work for the kingdom of God. That this is time to get busy. This is time to get down and get dirty and to roll up your sleeves. We're not going back to that place, Kevin. (laughs) But you know what? Vision, which is what we have, if we don't have vision, we perish, right? But when we have vision, we know that the vision is so much greater than our capability and our capacity. The vision is so much greater, otherwise it wouldn't be vision, would it? You see, when you go and you go to train as a a doctor or or a pilot or something, you set out... We have a pilot in the church. (laughs) How cool is that? (laughs) So when you go and you train... As, as your profession and your career, you set out with a vision that is so much bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. You set out knowing that you're going to have to work really hard to pass the qualifications to attain what you need to attain to do what you need to do. And it is the same for the kingdom of God. The dedication it takes to get a career is the same kind of dedication that the church needs to make his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the same commitment. It is the same vision. It is the same willingness to make it happen and build it. It's something you've got to catch for yourself and it's something we have to catch as a church together. What we are seeing down the road is so much bigger, so much greater than what we can achieve. We're going to need so many more people. We're going to need so much more finance. We're going to need so much uh, more uh, heart and commitment and love than we've ever known before. But we know that it is going to be incredible when we see what God is going to do. See, when you start doing what you were, you were, when you start flying that plane and you just, you, I mean, what you just trained for and now you're in the skies flying that plane is the greatest achievement of all of your hard work to be able to do that and when we see the change of culture changed because we were willing to work when we were uh, willing to meet the crisis of a generation and meet them where they're at and see it the tide turned then it was worth all of the work It was worth all of the commitment to make it happen. See, God is changing our hearts to get us out of our passivity into mobilizing 
creativity. <laughs> that bit didn't flow, okay. So I, I, was re- I was reminded of William Wilberforce, and I was reminded of the extraordinary vision that he had to abolish slavery. And I was reading up of it. You know, he was converted in 1784. And uh, it was actually in 1833 uh, was when, um, exactly when it happened, when when, uh, slavery was abolished in most of the British Empire. He fought for 20 years to see the slaves set free. 20 years. In fact, he even struggled with, like, how do I be a politician and a Christian, a politician, my values, how do I do this? And it was actually um, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, had such an incredible impact upon him. He says, you can do it. But the amazing thing is, this is the quote from William Wilberforce. He says, so enormous, so dreadful, so um, irritating, irremediable, that's the word, did the slave trade appear that my own mind was completely made up for abolition. I've got problems with my words today. Let the consequences be what they would. I, from this time, determined that I would never rest until I have effected its abolition. Isn't that incredible? I will not rest until I see it come through. And how should we be in the church of Jesus Christ, born again, redeemed, set free, put on a different path, risen as champions? How much more do we need to say, I will not rest until I see his kingdom come, his will be done. I will not rest until I see my neighbors turn to Jesus Christ. I will not rest until my entire family can turn around we will serve the Lord. I will not rest until my workplace is affected by my love for Jesus Christ. I will not rest until all this time I see that there is such pain and heartache in a city and in a culture. I will not rest. You know what? He died three days after hearing that the passage of the act through Parliament had been assured. He could rest. And I think it's time for us to get such a gumption, Mm. such a passion on the inside that, you know what, I'm not going to rest. I am going to spread the gospel of Jesus. Who's with me this morning? Now, so let's think about Nehemiah because there he is and he gets a vision for the walls of Jerusalem and he just gets it in his heart that there goes through goes through incredible courage and obtains so much favor to be able to do the vision that he's seen and he's just gone and he's viewed the walls by himself he goes through and he just views the walls and he has such compassion upon this city that is so broken down that it so needs to be built up again and in Nehemiah 2, 17, it says this, excuse me. And he's gathered the people together after viewing the walls. And he said, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. 
And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. There is so much to be done. What I need out of your hearts is for not for me to say to you, rise up and build. It's but for you to say, let us rise and build. Because when it comes from you, when it comes from your heart and your revelation, then you have the unction and the energy, the determination and the commitment to do something so great. Let yeah. us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to the good work. You see, I am absolutely convinced that the greater revelation we have about our salvation, the greater we realize the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. For those who us who are receiving a greater revelation of what Christ has done in us, will receive a greater revelation of the urgency and the purpose of salvation that needs to happen in others. When you are driven by the revelation of your own salvation, when you wake up and you remember that you have been saved... And not lost the day-to-day amazement of what Christ has done in your life. Because I think we're all like the rest of us. We lose the joy of our salvation. We forget on a daily basis the power of what Christ has done and redeemed us from. And so if we can in our hearts revive the passion, the thankfulness, and the revelation of what Christ has done, you will have no trouble in trying to spread the gospel to somebody else. When you know you've been redeemed, you want to tell somebody else you've been redeemed. You can be redeemed. It's the most powerful thing that you can think about is the, the greatness of your salvation. See, we've all got families. We've all got jobs. We've all got careers and we are all busy. But I believe that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto us. That you can get in a rhythm and you can get in a balance that it is not a conflict with your family working for the kingdom of God. It is not in conflict with your career. It is not in conflict with your job. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And God makes a way because you sought it first. In Isaiah 61, there's such um, a common verse that we read so much to empower who we are as ministers and it's a verse that we often read when we know that we have a purpose upon our lives. I want us to read it. And when you read it, I want you to put almost your name in there. Or think of yourself as that person. Now, Christ was anointed. And now he has anointed us for the purpose 
for the kingdom. We are well equipped, but we often aren't aware of how well equipped we are to do the job. And so we're going to read it and I want you to, we're going to read it through and then you're going to see a change in the wording. And it's incredible. What you're going to see before you is a miracle unfolding of how we are anointed, our ministry that then sets people free, but then how they end up being the ministers. It's the most incredible passage and has so affected me as I've read it over the last few days. And so let's read it, Isaiah 61. I want you to read it. And this is what God has done on you. This is what the Spirit has anointed you. So the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Hey, let's read it together. You're like a school teacher now. Okay then, right. Let's read it together. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that has been glorified. Let's just, let's just stop just there because if you notice as you read through, the Lord God has anointed me too. Okay? So this is your purpose upon your life. This is your anointing. This is what you've been set apart for, all right? And then we start to see a change. So all of these people have been uh, given beauty for ashes and have been brought out of prison that they, they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And then as we go down even further, it reads, and that they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities. Do you see what's happening now? The desolations of many generations. So those who we minister to, those who we are prepared to commit and work to build, these are the ones who are going to be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. These are the ones who are going to rebuild the cities, rebuild the desolate places. There is so much power in what this scripture, I can't even tell you. Then what happens is they shall rise up the former desolations, they shall repair the in cities, the desolations of many generations. Now listen what happens. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Go what? And the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowman and your vine dresser. We minister to these people with the anointing that we have been given. They become strong in the house. They start rebuilding. They start meeting the crisis of a generation. And then they, what happens is they start to be the pastors, the leaders, the evangelists, the prophets, and teachers. <laughs> 
It says your strangers will stand and they will feed your flock. Yeah. What an incredible miracle that if we minister to this generation in this city, they come and they become planted in the house of the Lord and then you will see them standing on this stage preaching the very message to wow. you that you wanted to see rising then. It's so powerful, my friend, that they will be the ones who will raise up the, gen- the, the desolation and rebuild the city with us. You see, there are people who are coming into this church. There are people that are coming into this family that right now they are broken hearted. But they are going to stand and they are going to minister. They're going to be vine dressers. They're going to be plowmen. And they are going to minister the fullness and the love and the healing of Jesus Christ. The ones that have been in slavery and been in prison are going to come out, be released from their prison doors. They're going to come out of slavery. They're going to stand here and they're going to teach you about freedom (laughs) the ones who've been prison are going to be released and they're going to plow up the fallow ground so that seeds can be sown and they're going to come and they're going to start pastoring to one another those who are mourned you know what it's been like to be in mourning and be depressed and God has set you free and God has done such incredible things upon your life well I tell you what it's your turn it's your turn your turn to build if we all build together and we see those who are so broken standing on this stage pastoring us leading us teaching us prophesying over us it's the new grain it's the new wine it's the new oil that's what it is this is generational stuff oh gosh where am I I don't know. But William Wilberforce said this, measure your progress by the experience of the love of God and its exercise before men. We're built, our lives are built. We know that our lives are being built when we know the revelation of the love of God, but more than that, we can actually bestow it upon somebody else. That's when we know we're being, we're being built. So I ask you a question this morning. How is your progress? Are you exercising love on yourself or others? That will determine to you how mature you are in Christ and how much. This is we've got to build. We've got to get out there. So very, very quickly, how do you rise as a champion builder and how do you build others' lives? Well, it's very, very simple. Hope. Hope. Everybody needs hope. You need hope. You know how you have needed hope to rise. In all the times of my life where I've not been able to rise, it's because I haven't had hope. And how do you get hope? Because you can't just say, hope, Laura. I command you to hope. (laughs) How does hope rise in your heart? Because hope is the thing that gives faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Mm -hmm. So we know we have to have hope to be able to have faith. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know that I can rise when I have hope. That's why people need vision, because then they have hope. Mm -hmm. So Nehemiah stood before the walls, looked at the walls, stood before the people, and he gave them 
hope. So how are you, if you're feeling hope this morning, how, how hopeless, how are you going to rise the champion you need to rise? Because you, still, you, know, you need to ask yourself the very first question before hope comes, and that is, could I? Could I touch someone else's life? Could I open up prison doors for someone else? Could I? See someone, and something starts to just loosen on the inside. Something just starts to open up on the inside, and the could I starts to give way to hope, and hope starts to rise. But it it needs more than that. It needs encouragement, because Nehemiah he came before the people, and they're looking at these walls that have been down for over a hundred years, and he's looking at them, and he's going, "We can, we can rebuild them." I mean, I bet you they're going, yeah, right. Have you seen the state of it? But what he did is he said two, two things for them. He said, I told them about the hand of God on me and I told them about the words of the king. Testimony and the word of God, all right? To remember your testimony, to remember the word of God, hope starts to rise again. But more than anything, how we get hope out of one another and how we hope is encouragement. And Kevin released a message a couple of weeks ago about how we should release the Barnabas spirit into this church. Barnabas meant son of encouragement. And if Paul, Paul wouldn't have been able to do what he did if it hadn't have been for Barnabas. I want to say to you today, your your neighbor sitting next to you right now needs to know what they can do so they can do it. You need to be the son of encouragement for the person you're sitting next to you. You need to be that son of encouragement that produces hope in somebody else and says, do you know what? This is what I see in you. This is your gift. This is your calling. I encourage you to go and do it. Yeah, of course you can do it. Could I? Yeah, of course you could. And encourage one another. Because I remember uh, someone saying in in a conference a couple of years ago, the next wave is going to be a wave of encouragement. Because encouragement lifts hope. And, and Nehemiah lifted up the hope of the people by encouragement that they were able to build. And the very last thing is fight and protect one another. In Nehemiah 4, we see that the people were starting to get weak. Who knows what that feels like? Now, I just very few minutes left. I want you to understand, right? We can grow weary doing good. I've been there. You've, if you've ministered into people's lives or if you've been part of something, you're doing good, but somehow you get weary. And, and Nehemiah says, look, they're doing good, these people, but they're getting, they're getting tired. And then when they got tired, the enemy kept on coming in and saying, we're going to come in and we're basically going to destroy what you've done. And we're vulnerable when we get to that point. It is our job to protect one another. It is our job to cover one another's weaknesses. 
It is our job not to reveal the weaknesses in one another, not to expose the weaknesses in one another or talk to them about others to other people. It is our job to stand and fight and protect one another because you can bet your bottom dollar, if I'm allowed to say that in church, that when we start doing the vision in 2018, we start setting up um, city hearts, we give in to, to the hope it, uh, Hope House in Bangladesh, we're doing Shine Girl, what else are we doing? Sensory Cafe and all the rest of it. You can bet your bottom dollar the enemy's going to try and stop it. And he'll stop it by getting to you first. And he'll start to try and to divide us and start to be the accuser of the brethren. You can't do it. You're not good enough to do it or you failed last time so you're going to fail again. Come on church, we're not going to do that. We're going to rise up and we're going to protect one another. And what they actually did is, is that Nehemiah put them into families and he said, right, I'm going to put you into families. I'm going to unify you. And then what we're going to do, and he says, remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And we are going to fight to protect one another. We are going to encourage one another, lift one another, cover one another, enable one another, empower one another. We're going to work as a team. We're going to work as a community. And we're going to value it enough to fight for it. Value it, people, and each other enough to fight for one another. William Wilberforce said, it is the duty of every man to promote the happiness of his fellow creatures at the utmost of his power. Let's do the same. It took Nehemiah and the people 52 days to build that wall. Miraculous. Miraculous. And I want to say to you, what can we do in one year? What can we do in one year? What can we do in one year if we are willing if we are willing to just get out there and build the kingdom of God. Nehemiah 4, 6 said, for the people had a mind. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.